What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Tour Season. My name is Darren Eubank. I'm your host today and every day. Tour Season is pretty simple. As a musician, we tour. And we like to tell the stories about what happens in between shows and even at shows. Funny people, crazy people, angry people, near-death experiences. But right now, COVID-19 is happening. It's a thing. So we're not really touring at all. So we're taking a shift in the podcast and we're taking a tour through people's lives. So I got the Texas Rangers pre and post game host, Mr. Jared Sandler on with me, the South African heartthrob. We're just kind of talking about how we get into play by play, to calling and to being a guy that you hear pretty much daily now on 105 through the fan. Calling Texas Rangers games, doing his thing. We get to, hey, what did you do in high school? What did you do in college? How did that lead you to this? He's a great guy. I gotta give a shout out to Mouse Quake on the beat. This beat gets me knocking literally every time I hear it. So shout out to Mouse Quake. If you need a beat, call him. Um, a quick word from our sponsors and then we'll get it going. Tour season is brought to you by For The People Booking. That's ForThePeopleBooking.com or FTP underscore booking on Instagram, as well as DNC Music. That's DNC Music.com or at DNC Music on Instagram. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to tour season. Uh, hey, we're just taking a tour into people's lives. Um, today I got with me um, a pretty good friend of mine. Um, we've kind of been friends over the last couple of years, and I think you may have recognized his voice. Um, he's He does the pre and post game um, for Texas Rangers. Um, if you're a Tolo, if you listen to 105 Through the Fan, you probably hear him daily um, on that show. Um, I'm with my good buddy, Jared Sandler. What's up, man? D, what's going on, man? Thanks so much for having me. Dude. I'm I'm so I'm so happy you're here and we get to chat for a little bit. I know you're a busy man, um, so the fact that you're you're on with me, man, that just means a lot to me for sure. Anything for you, dude? You know that. <laughs> yeah. So tour season is is simply this, um, man. As a musician, I've traveled hundreds of thousands of miles um, over the last couple of years, um, playing songs, and a lot of people don't get to see what happens in between that, what it took to get there, stuff like that. But even more so with tourists, we like to take a step and take a tour into people's lives, where they came from, how they get to where they are. Um, and today, that is for you. Um, Jared, why don't you tell everyone where you're from originally? Yeah, well, so first of all, let me just say this. I, I too, am a big musician. The When I was uh, five years old, I sang the national anthem in front of my class. And by the time I was 10 years old, my choir teacher told me to never sing again. And as long as I didn't sing in the performances, she would pass me. So um, I, I've got a real storied musical career as well. A lot of times my travels took me from the choir room to detention because I couldn't focus and stand still for long enough. That's amazing. I can confirm this from your uh, karaoke uh... <laughs> <laughs> last year that was crazy yeah oh. music talents not really a, a strength of mine by any means. <laughs> so yeah i you know i was born in dallas my i'm the only one in my family born in dallas though uh my parents oldest brother born in south africa and so you know while 
you know, I, I, I've only lived in America. I've, I take a lot of pride in, in my South African heritage. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a place, you know, obviously it's not right down the street. So uh, <laughs> I've been to South Africa four times for about two weeks a, a time. I've still got a, a ton of family over there. And, yeah. you know, it's definitely a place that I'd love to be able to go annually if possible. You know, my dad yeah. uh, goes, I'd say once every 18 months, uh, you know, his mom, who's, who's still alive and, and, uh, thankfully is, is still doing pretty well is, is there and his brother and, uh, nieces, nephews, you know, my cousins, aunts, uncles, and, uh, it's a special place. It's, it's a, you know, in, in some ways a troubled place. They've got a long ways to go mm. is yeah. how they treat one another in that country, but there are parts of South Africa that are beautiful and, uh, you know, the, take the good and the bad with it. But uh, I have a lot of pride in, in the history of South Africa. I've really made a point to, to learn about, the history and, and have done a lot of, of reading up on Nelson Mandela and everything he went through. And, uh, and so it's, it's a, you know, I wouldn't say it's a huge part of my day-to-day life in terms of, uh, customs and, and ways I go about things, but in terms yep. of what's important to me and, uh, you know, my identity, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very quick to bring up South Africa because it, it is a special part of, uh, you know, I think uh, my family and, and, yeah. uh, what's important to me. Totally. No, I, I totally get that. I was going to ask you, whenever you do travel there, um, so um, my bandmate Chima is from Nigeria. <clears throat> and um, he's only gone a couple times, but when he comes back, he, he kind of carries a hint of the Nigerian accent with him for a little bit. Um, do you ever find that happening um, when you're down there? So it, it's funny, and, and my two brothers are, are way older than me, and we're competitive with just about everything. Yeah. My oldest brother who was born in South Africa has a bad South African accent. <laughs> my older, but not oldest brother who was actually born the New York, New Jersey area. Uh-huh. Uh, has a great South African accent. Mine's not so good, but you know, I most recently went there with my wife, Emily, mm-hmm. uh, because, and this was before we got married. I wanted her to meet my family Yeah, and definitely. came back and, and probably for the first two weeks, we were speaking <laughs> to one another with our fake accents about 80% of the time. And we still, it's fun though, right? We I, still get into these stretches where we'll start, we'll say something, either a word or hmm. a phrase that, you know, yeah. they say with the accent or just the, the common lingo there and. We, we, we dip in and out, but I wish, I wish that I had a much better South African accent. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. I, you know, how's it? I uh, hope you're having a good day. All right. I love that. Now I find myself when I'm watching certain TV shows, like, um, Peaky Blinders comes to mind. Are you familiar with Peaky Blinders? No, it's, it's on a long list of TV shows that I, I probably need to see at some point, like The Wire. And I'm in the middle of Breaking Bad, which I never yeah. got into right away. But uh, no, I've heard really good things. Yeah, it's amazing. Obviously, it's it's like British, Irish, um, like turn of the century. And um, I find myself speaking a lot like that in, in regular day. And I'm just like, wait, I need to you know kind of put that away for a second but it's it's just when you, you listen to it so much and you realize oh like wow this is this is how people learn english and different languages too like it's kind of crazy to think about that my uh, logo's yeah. all, all over the place my uh I, I think emily emily sometimes when she talks to my dad who who's still you know both my parents have south african accents still yeah she'll start talking like just I don't even know. I think at this point it's just kind of natural. She'll start talking in her accent, and 
I, I guess, you know, hearing you say that, I realized that subtly, I think something that, that Emily and I really like doing is speaking to one another in our attempt at various accents, yeah. not, not maliciously, not like making fun. It just, I think we enjoy trying accents. I don't know if we're any it, but it's fun to try, I guess. Absolutely. Um, okay. So I want to talk about, um, I guess your college years, because we kind of have something in common there was we both, um, played baseball. I don't know if you knew that, but I did know that. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, we both played ball, um, and you were tell me tell me what you did. So you went to USC, right? Yeah. So you know, sports was a huge part of my upbringing. Just uh-huh. you know, as a fan, but playing. My my grandfather uh, was a, a sprinter back in the time. You know, I'm Jewish, and when he was in his athletic prime, he wasn't allowed to compete in the Olympics. So. Uh, his times actually kind of rivaled Jesse Owens, who was the fastest man in the world. He was like a, a less than two tenths of a second off. Wow! Uh, won gold medals in the Maccabi Games, and, and my uh, uncle was a, a really, really good rugby and soccer player. My dad played soccer professionally in South Africa, uh, and both my brothers are good athletes. And and so sports was just kind of what I knew and. Uh, you know, fast forward to high school, you know, I played three sports and loved it. And it was weird when I came to the college decision, wait a second, I, sports might not be a thing for me actively yeah. playing anymore. Uh, and so I had a really tough decision. I'd say that that was the <clears throat> first real tough decision I had to make in my life. Uh, yeah. Do I go to smaller schools maybe not as much of the focus of what was next, but to keep playing sports or do I go to a school with, you know, whatever was going to be my, my profession in mind. Cause I knew I wasn't playing sports professionally. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I ended up making the choice of going to USC and it was, it wasn't a 50 50 split in terms of combining both, but USC did tell me uh, that, you know, I sent them my tape and uh, they said, Hey, you're more than welcome to come and, and try out. And uh, I ended up, trying out and, and making it, uh, you know, past the first few rounds of cuts. And back then in college baseball, you could roster 35 players and then redshirt however many. I mean, in right. theory, redshirt 50 if you wanted. Right. Uh, and they, they offered me the opportunity to redshirt. Uh, and, you know, I, the first round of cuts, I thought, realistically, I've always been pretty self-aware with that. Like, I okay, that made sense that I made it past them. But after that, I kind of would look around and be like, that guy that got cuts better than me. This guy who hasn't gotten cut is way better than me. Like what? Yeah. And on. So I eventually just had the conversation. Our head coach was actually a guy who uh, used to play for the Rangers, a guy named Chad Cruder. And I just asked him, I said, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you would offer this opportunity to stay in the program. But just let's be real here. What What's going on? Uh, because at that point – I had just really started to fall in love with broadcasting and yeah. it would be really tough to maintain the responsibilities as a, as an active player in the program and also take advantage of whatever broadcasting opportunities were there. And so right. they basically said, and I, and I appreciate their candor. Listen, we love having you around, not because you're one of the, I think, you know, in that particular year, there are 44 of us, if you include the red shirts. He said, listen, there were guys we cut who were better players than you, but you work your tail off. We think you're a great influence, a great guy to have in the program. And I asked, I said, that's awesome. Do I ever have any chance of playing? And he he said, you know, maybe your senior year, uh, possibly, maybe, kind of. And I was just like, 
hey, I appreciate it. I'd love to stay in the program, but here's what I've got going on. And they were they were really cool about understanding that I'm not playing professional baseball, so this broadcasting thing's important. <clears throat> yeah. so what ended up happening was I stayed in the program for four years. Uh, my my NCAA compliant term was undergraduate assistant coach. Um, I don't know that I was doing a ton of active coaching yeah. in the way that we think of it. I definitely helped the coaches out. I was uh, very involved in recruiting uh, and the operations of the program. And it was a cool way for me to be in uniform and be in the dugout for yeah. four years, knowing that I get that opportunity again. So um, it was a great experience. Uh, you know, It was a huge part of my college experience uh, and something I look back on with, with really fond memories for sure. That's awesome. That's that's really that's really cool that they were able to to find a place for you to still like be there and and continue your path and um and the more the more I hear about your story the more that um it kind of parallels me honestly. So I when I was I was playing college ball and I actually got redshirted. Um and so I'm talking to the coach, and so the college I went to is right was eh, maybe ten miles from my home, from my house, um, for where I grew up at and went to high school at and everything. And just kind of talked to the coach, and I said, "Hey, um, I had actually I had just recently picked up a guitar, and I was just like seeing like, oh man, what I can do with a guitar as far as like, you know." enter people's lives and, you know, be, be poignant and kind of, you know, have some kind of substance that people can hold on to when, after I get finished playing, like the power that, that comes with playing that guitar. Like I saw what I could help, I could help people with. And so I just started playing guitar and I was just kind of telling the coach like, Hey, um, what's your expectations of me? All these things. And so I actually stayed in the program and, you know, worked out with everyone, practiced, went to games. Um, but in the meantime, I was like taking music classes and learning and learning, learning these things. And eventually I was just like, I have to, I have to pursue this, you know, like, and so I, I left the program and started and started playing, playing music. But um, I want to go back for a second because you're talking about kind of weighing the options um, going into college. So did, is that, so you brought broadcasting, that's something you wanted to do like in high school or is that, yeah, so I would say, I mean, at no point did I ever really consider a career that didn't involve sports. I didn't quite yeah. know what that would entail. So eventually when I came to the realization, like most kids who play sports, that I'm not playing sports professionally, all right, what can I do? And the idea of getting into sports journalism was fun because all I knew, or at least all I thought was, hey, they get free tickets to games and what's <laughs> yeah. better there than that. And so... I, I guess I didn't technically do anything that would have been an active participation in that field until my senior year. I wrote like four columns for the school newspaper about sports. Yeah. Uh, so I went to USC wanting to, I guess that what I could say is that I, I went to USC knowing there was something I wanted to pursue. I didn't know if I'd be any good at it. I didn't know if I would like it. I, you know, there were a lot of unknowns, but it's at least the first thing I wanted to pursue. Yeah. And, and, you know, thankfully, I, I, you know, early on, I realized, OK, uh, the the anchor stuff, kind of like what you see on SportsCenter, probably not like my first choice. The writing stuff, while I love writing, yeah, not 
first choice, doing play-by-play in live games, and then the sports talk side, that that resonated with me a little bit more. I, I love all those forums, but uh, and so I was just fortunate, you know. I, D, I, I wasn't. I, I went to I went to a good school with kids who, you know, they knew the Princeton Review rankings for every school. You know, overall, like which school has the best seafood? Like, oh, this school is ranked seventy ninth. You know, like I just didn't know that stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, all I knew was that USC, you know had opportunities for kids to broadcast and it's yeah. not the most renowned journalism school, but it, it, it offered me great opportunities. And, and early on, I mean, before I even took my first class, I was able to broadcast a USC Duke women's volleyball match. That was my wow. first broadcast. And, uh, you know, I annoyed the right people like, Hey, I'd like to participate. If there are any, <laughs> you know, and a guy yeah. got sick, I was walking around with my dad. He, you know, we had just, we were actually in the process of moving into my freshman dorm, and I got a call from a guy named Jeff Platt, who just so happened to be from the DFW area, but was a senior at USC at the time. And he said, hey, Jared, I, I know you've been emailing. Uh, we actually had a guy who called in sick. Can you do the broadcast tonight? And I was <laughs> like, absolutely. And I did it. And I walked away thinking, man, I'm the greatest broadcaster ever. This was easy. <laughs> I, I, you know, I haven't looked back at, at that broadcast in a while. Yeah. I hope I still have it. But I know that in subsequent years when I look back on it, I was like, wow, that was the worst thing ever. I was horrible, <laughs> but I loved it. That's usually and how I it think goes. what I've loved. Yeah, I've loved and I'm sure it's the same for you. I love I, I still love the process of getting better. I love the process of growing. I love the challenges of of getting better in this industry. And I think that's. You know, that's what it, it's like with sports. Everyone can love the games. You love the practice. And and I think with broadcasting, I've learned that I, I not only love the games, but I love the practice as well. And that time at USC really helped me understand that. That's awesome. I <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely the same way with songs. Whenever you hear like songs you wrote, you're like, oh, my gosh, I was terrible. Um, but at the time. You're like, this is the next big hit. This is it, <laughs> for sure. Um, man, I, I probably would have, like, I, I would have been so scared when he was like, hey, um, you want to come broadcast? I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I'm just moving into my dorm. And uh, that would have been, dude, way to step up, man. Um, well, you know, you always hear, right? Like, always say yes. And so oh, absolutely. I knew enough at that point to know that I, Saying no is probably not the right move. I was crapping my pants all day, though. Uh, <laughs> where I went to school, we actually had, and I didn't play volleyball, both our boys and girls volleyball programs were among the best in the state. And so wow. I was familiar with volleyball. Like, it wasn't the most foreign sport. I probably didn't know all the right terms. As a matter of fact, one of the assistant coaches, I ended up doing a number of volleyball matches that year. Yeah. And one of the assistant coaches, a lady named Cookie Stevens, pulled me aside maybe before my fifth or sixth match and, and introduced herself. And, uh, she was so sweet. She's like, she was the nicest person, but basically was telling me cause the coaches would go back and the film that they watched had the broadcast. Yeah. And I think she knew yeah. I was trying hard. I wasn't making a mockery of it. She's like, Hey, I want to work with you on some of the terms. Uh, and, and just, you know, things that you wouldn't know if you, maybe didn't play volleyball for, you know, most of your life. <laughs> yeah. And that was really helpful. And it, it kind of helped me understand, Hey, you know, 
there, there are people out there who they want to help. And, and if you ask for help, and I should have asked for help earlier, um, but I, you know, I, I definitely studied it and I, I, I utilized these terms based on what my interpretation was of the definition, but she really helped. And, but yeah, I mean, it was, I was nervous and, and frankly, D I public speaking has, was a fear. I'd say it's no longer a fear, but I still get super nervous, uh, for public speaking yeah. events, appearances, whatever. It's just not, despite what my profession is, it's just something that, uh, for whatever reason, it, it still creates a lot of nerves. But back then, I would say that public speaking was a fear, and that was a big part of my growth. Was was when the red light turned on, being able to shed yeah. that that yeah. anxiety and just perform. No, I totally, I totally get it. As as a worship pastor, being on stage, knowing that like I'm going to be talking to people left and right, like you know, especially even people who are watching online now because of COVID stuff, like. I totally, I, I feel that pressure like in my chest. Um, and the truth is you just have to know what you're going to say and then take your time and, and say it. Um, and it's, it is tough. It, it really is. And my, my wife, it's so funny watching her make videos for her dance studio because she'll, she'll hit record and everything she prepared for, everything just goes out the window. Um, and she just she just goes over and over and over again, just trying to get it right. She's like, I can do it when the camera's not on. But as soon as that red light hits, it's like, I've lost it all. Oh, it's so weird how we're conditioned like that. So um, post-college, um, you're in uh, ESPN. Um, I'm just kind of reading your bio on, on Texas sure. Rangers um, on the broadcasting thing. So um, you did a little bit at the Great Lakes um, location. Is that what it says? Yeah. So I, my first job, so senior year of college, graduate, stick around through the end of baseball season because college baseball, you know, typically goes beyond graduation. Uh, we played our last game against Washington State, and the next day, my dad and I got in a car and we drove to Great Falls, Montana. I spent a summer there, and then I went that very next year, uh, went to the the Great Lakes Bay region of Michigan, and and worked for a little over two years for an ESPN radio affiliate doing all sorts of stuff. I, I called minor league baseball, and and that that's what I did in Montana, minor league baseball for a team called the Great Falls Voyagers. And then in Michigan, I called minor league baseball. I did the the high school basketball game of the week, and, and high school basketball in Michigan's, uh, you know, especially in that region with yeah. Saginaw, Saginaw Arthur Hill, it's uh, you know pretty competitive. Not not quite similar to football in Texas, but not far from it. Yeah. Uh, college football, college basketball. I did a, an afternoon drive sports talk show. It was like your your typical. It, it, it's classification is like a lower mid-sized market, not totally small market. You know, is a yeah, yeah. Uh, Michigan is, is the, the home of Dow chemical, the, the international headquarters. So it's a pretty developed area, but it was a great opportunity to fail, to try things, to mess up, to screw up, to embarrass myself. Uh, but to do it, doing all these different mediums and, and forms of broadcasting and, uh, you know, it's funny. One of my best friends to this day, a groomsman of mine is a guy named Mike cousins. And I, you know, you, you start to learn as you pursue broadcasting late in college who some of the, the, the better broadcasters are around the country, guys, you, you know, you might be in competition with for spots. And, and I, Mike Cousins was one of the first guys 
uh, whose names I knew and uh, didn't meet him until uh, I moved to Michigan. But prior to moving to Michigan, uh, I tried to get this job with Fort Wayne, uh, the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, and I lost out to Mike Cousins. And I was like, gosh, this Mike Cousins guy. And then, you know, I lo and behold, I meet him. And we become so close. But I was that was pretty crushed when I didn't get that job uh, yeah. because that was the first time I think I'd ever heard no. And it it was not easy. And I knew it was going to happen. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm sooner or later. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it just it worked out really well. The, the opportunity in Michigan ended up being a tremendous growth experience for me. What exactly what I needed uh, and I think was really helpful in a lot of ways for, you know, what, what steps followed. And it was, uh, you know, it was a different living experience living in, in Michigan with that climate, learning how to drive. <laughs> it's a beast, man. Golly. It's Being up still, there. Yeah. The, the driving in the snow was the thing that got me. I, I could do the cold, but the driving in the, the yeah. those conditions, I, I still was like, I'd still be scared to this day. It blows my mind. Just. Uh, we we did our first tour up there a couple of years ago um, in the winter, and I remember like buying some jackets and stuff, and then literally our first steps off of the plane, I just turned to team. I said, "Bro, we did not pack right. Like, we just did not." Um, but now I feel like we're pros at driving in the snow because we've done it for two or three years now. Um, and I mean, there's times where we're driving through like two feet of snow sometimes just to like get into a parking lot or something. And I'm just like, man, this is not the life that I want to live like constantly. I'm cool with visiting and touring, but if I lived here, I would, ah, I'd be so upset. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah. Well, I want to, so, um, eventually you would land back in Dallas at ESPN. Um, and obviously now you're on the fan. Um, and I just want to say like, Dude, listening to you on the fan has been great. Um, obviously, you know, I'm an Uber driver. That's pretty much, um, depending on who gets in my car, it stays on 105.3 The Fan. Um, you know, if it's a if it's like a younger guy or whatever, I know that, like, they're fine listening to sports talk. Um, but so pretty much, like, when you and Sterling are on or whenever you're on, I'm just like, this is this is my station, you know. And so I, I appreciate, like, all that you bring. Um the versatility that you bring, bro, is, is pretty crazy, man. So I just want to say thanks for that. Um, Thank you very much. Definitely. Um, so I want to talk about how we first met. So this is crazy. Um, and I, I can I'll let me condense it into uh, um, a shorter story. So long story short, back when Ben and Skin were on the fan, um, KT was talking about Elon Musk releasing a Harambe rap song. And... I'm listening to this in the car, and Chima and I have this thing called song surfing. And um, at the shows, we just ask the, the crowd to come up with a couple of nouns. We pick our favorite. We make up a song about it. Well, one of the nights, this, the noun was Harambe. And so we end up writing this, this song about Harambe. And so I'm listening to them on the radio, and I send one in to KT. And KT, um, I say, hey, this is this is our Harambe song. And KT immediately responds. He says, this is gold. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you like it. And he goes, can you guys come in tomorrow? <laughs> can you guys come in tomorrow? And I was like, Chima, we're going to be on the radio tomorrow. We're going in. We're going to song surfing. So we ended up doing that. It was a really good time. Um, and literally, as soon as we, we get out of the segment, um, ben, ben Rogers was like, hey, what are you guys doing on? I can't remember what the date of your fun, your uh, 
benefit was, but um, what are you doing on this date? And I was like, you know, obviously you never say no. So I said, whatever it is, we're in. Um, and he goes, okay, well, Jared's, you know, his, his, um, house flooded and we're going to raise some money for them. Um, and we want you guys to perform at the karaoke event. And I was like, all right, we're down. And so literally that's, that was the first night we met was just to be able to play for you. And obviously I, I knew who you were. And so I was like, yeah, we definitely want to do this. Um, but I'm so thankful for that, for that night because I've met so many cool people, honestly, just from that night, really. Um, and so that's kind of where we, we go back, but. Um, dude, you, you helped me so much when it came to songs from the street. Um, like I had some good runs and then I came up to you and you posted about it and freaking the whole world I felt like was like, even your, even your siblings, bro. <laughs> I feel like I've played for most of your siblings now. Um, just, it's just been cool. Um, how, um, which I think kind of goes back to like how you affect, um, the people around you is, is very, um. Um, it's very magnetic. And so everyone, everyone's like, Oh dude, I know Jared. Jared's a great person. Of course I'm going to do this. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, but talk about like your day to day with the fan. It feels, I feel like you're like, I feel like you're on every show. Like you're, you, you're, you're just chiming in and it's because you're an insider, but like, just kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, you know, I just, and I know I've told you this, but you know, hearing you kind of describe that, you know, the events and whatnot, like it, it just like eyes got a little watery because like people like yourself, I mean, we had never met and that was a really tough time for my wife and I, you know, or, or we moved into our house and then like two weeks later, whatever, our house flooded, uh, insurance didn't cover it. We, we lost a ton, uh, more than I thought was, you know, fathomable. Uh, and it was a, a really tough time. And, you know, we, People always say like, you know, money will work itself out, right? And it's it's easy to say that, but when you're in the eye of the storm, it's so tough to embrace that Absolutely. because at the end of the day, you you do need money. You know, does yeah. money buy happiness? No, it, you know, it doesn't. There's there's more important things, but like, you don't have money, you know, you don't have a roof, you don't like it. It is important. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we were so consumed with just how we're gonna pay this next bill, and are we even gonna be able to pay for the completion of the you know whatever and I remember driving home from that event with Emily and we both just lost it because of the support we received from people. It wasn't about money raised or it was just like people like, like you and she, like you didn't know us. You didn't need to come out there. It was a Sunday night in Arlington. Uh, and it was, just, yeah. it was really, we're, we're really fortunate. I, I'd say we're, we're definitely blessed to have, uh, people in our life who tolerate me, uh, because gosh knows I'm a handful and, uh, it was, it was really cool. And so I, I thank you so much for, for being a part of that. I'm so thankful for that, the friendship we have today. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I remember telling you guys that night, uh, it was like anything you guys need. I mean, you guys stepped up for us and, uh, and, and so hopefully people who are watching this, who don't know, I mean, you and she like, you, you're looking for people to root for. Like I, I deal with athletes, some of whom are awesome people, others of whom maybe not. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, I always tend to root for the guys who are, are good people and, and you guys are awesome people. And so I know my wife and I uh, are so thankful for, for what you did to be a part of that. But uh, the day to day, 
it, it really isn't the same. Now, during baseball season, there's a little more of a routine. Yeah. Uh, you know, get to the park around 1, 1.30. Uh, you know, my prep work starts early in the morning. I'm, I'm usually working one or two days ahead. Uh, and, you know, there's there's a whole lot of things that go on. But, you know, I think part of the beauty of, of my job is it's not the same day to day. You know, we have day games. We have night games. We have in-season. We have off-season. Yeah. I get a podcast basketball and do some football stuff and the, the sports talk hosting. But, you know, my, my approach to it is, listen, I love all sports. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love the, the baseball work I get to do. Uh, and that comes first. You know, my, my job, I, I learned, a, a, you know, almost the hard way. Uh, you know, you, you always want to grow, but you got to appreciate the job you have. Uh, and, you know, you, you can definitely dedicate time to your growth but it's got to come after you fulfill your responsibilities. And, you know, I try and create time for that growth and, uh, you know, whether it's getting involved or producing, providing content for sports in general or, or whatever. But a big part of my job is, as you mentioned, going on these shows and, and having these conversations. And, and I just try to try to help fans be at the game, be in the clubhouse, get to places that they don't have access to learn things that they otherwise wouldn't learn. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful. I, I really love my teammates with the fan. They're awesome. It's so great working with them. Uh, and, you know, I think that's, that's also a big reason why I enjoy the day to day and it doesn't become monotonous in large part because of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's <clears throat> like I said, man, it's been so cool listening. I think, as as an avid listener, you you really get plugged, just like you would be watching a TV show. Um, you really get plugged into everyone's lives and um, what they're what they do off the radio or off TV, you know. Um, and so, just being able to kind of take that ride with you the last couple of years has been um, a pleasure, and I, I've enjoyed it. Uh, my last question for you: um, Baseball um, is back. Obviously, it starts. Um, this Friday, are you are you going to cut your hair? Are you are you cutting it on Friday or what's going on with that? You don't like this? I first off, I want to say I love it. Actually, I'm a big fan of that. Like, see, you see what I got up here, bro? Like, <laughs> um, I actually have a cut on Friday. Like, I have a guy that I've been going to for about eight or nine years. I don't go to anyone else. Um, and I, I, he knows that if when I come in with my hair looking like this, it's time to cut off the blonde and I do all that stuff. And then I literally go from the, the barbershop and I put on my hat because I don't want anyone to see me without the blonde. And then I go straight to the house and redo the blonde. So yeah, um, not many people have seen me. I've had this for almost eight years now. Um, oh, yeah. Many, yeah. That's good. Not many people have seen me without it. So I was just curious. If, if yeah, you are coming here, you're going to go live and do that, bro. <laughs> touchy, touchy subject, uh, depending on the day. I, The promise I've, I've made to my wife, and, and really just for my own sake professionally, if I, I've never really had long hair, and I'm not someone who spends a ton of time doing my hair, which is why shorter hair typically worked sure. well. But if I can't figure out, if I can't like, if I don't either want or not willing to take the time to do my hair, or I can't figure out how to make it work, then I'll get rid of it. But I, you know, I'm probably due for a cut to trim a little bit, but I, I do kind of want to, I don't know, maybe bro, it's let a, it flow, a, man. Like, yeah, I, I say let I, it flow. Bro. 
Yeah, I, so we'll see. But I, I am, you know, I'm about to be unleashed into the wild, and so I've got. <laughs> a, you know, I can't. My caveman look of, of a month ago when the beard was like four dimensional. Yeah. Obviously, I can't yeah. have. Uh, I, I, I will. I'm gonna give it a shot to see if I can get the hair to work. Otherwise, you know, might might give it a cut. <laughs> cool. Well, um, dude, Jared, thank you for being on, man, so much. Um, it's always cool to look back. I and mean, I don't know how many people know about, like, that part of your life, like the pre, like what they're hearing you on the, on the radio. So it's it's kind of cool to get a look into to where you've been and where you're going because, dude, the way I see it, like, and, you know, I may, now I may be overstepping here. Eric Nadell's a Hall of Famer. I feel like Jared Sandler could be there one day, too. Well, I appreciate it, man. I listen. It would be. Uh, I'm. I'm so thankful for the opportunities I have, uh, being a part of the, the broadcast team. But uh, I grew up here. I grew up a, a, a diehard Rangers fan, and Eric's been my mentor since high school. Uh, and I would absolutely love to to live out that dream. But uh, um, I'm just. I'm so thankful to to be where I am, and and hopefully yeah. keep head down, and and we'll see what the future holds. All right, man. Well, thank you, bro. I, I know you got a busy day, so I'll let you get to it. But I just want to say, bro, have a good one. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me, dude. Take care. What a great episode. I love that guy. Jared Sandler is a treasure, and he must be protected at all costs. Thank you guys for listening to Tour Season. We got some more episodes coming up. But until then... I'm Darren Eubank. I'll see you later.